Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, a podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, pray, and interpret sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I'm Chase Krause. And I'm Ryan Pollock. Let's dive in. What is up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of Catholics with Bibles. As always, join my man, Ryan. Hey, gang. What's going on? So fun fact about today's episode, before we dive in, there is a retreat going on uh, about... 30 feet from from us right now. So if you hear uh, random yelling and or loud noises. It's not our fault. It, yeah, this is, we're trying to help people love Jesus. So you can't get mad at us. That's um, right. <laughs> it, it's being put on by the, the net missionaries. Yeah. So and net. What, what is a net missionary? So I was one for two years. Watch out. You should know about um, it. Yeah. I don't. I don't know anything about them. So they're great. So it's National Evangelization Team. So I presume. I, pre- I presume they tell people about Jesus. Yeah. So they, they just travel the country, put on retreats for middle school and high school students, and usually day retreats, but sometimes weekend retreats or overnight retreats. Um, and they're awesome because and the reason it's like I've put on a million and a half retreats in my life because when I was a netter, but two even just my job. Uh, but like, there's something about bringing a group of like 10, 12 young adults who like the kids don't know, don't see like that can be powerful, especially for small groups, you know, cause sometimes like they see me all the time. They see Austin, our middle school youth minister all the time. So sometimes it just helps them open up when it's just a bunch of other people. And also they're younger. All the missionaries are from 18 to 23 years old or something like that. Is this part of like a gap year thing for them or is this a sometimes. job or what is, well, how so does yeah, it work? They do a year. They, they volunteer. They sign up for a year of their lives. Um, so it's usually like the school year. So they start training in like August and they go through May. Um, so sometimes, yeah, they do it before they start college. I did it actually, I did a year at Texas state and then I did, took two years off to do net before I went back to college. Um, and so I think the age is 18 to 29. That's the age range. You could be a missionary. Um, most people tend to be college age. And does it lead people into like a vocation and missions? Like, are they training to be missionaries abroad or how does that, no, how does it, that work? No. So they stay, it's us. Um, well, so there's net in us, Canada, uh, Ireland, Uganda, Australia, but each country stays within the country. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually one in Dubai, I think now, um, in Scotland. Uh, anyway. Um, it's not like there's not folks around here to evangelize for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and so, yeah, so they stay stateside and they just help try to get people to love Jesus. It's great. Um, so you're here cheering in the background. That is not a sound effect. That is, <laughs> that is the net. There's team. literally cheering next yes, door. Yes, that's right. Um, but we, we are plugging away in our 27 uh, week mini series here on the books of the new Testament. It's really funny. Uh, I actually do think there's a, there's a sound, there's a laugh track on here. I won't push the buttons. We have buttons in front of me. I won't push them. We should um, have somebody here to do drops. Sound that's effects right. For us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but today we're, we're, we're diving into John, but we got to talk about the Greek word of the day first. The Greek word of the day, ladies and gentlemen, is logos, which translated in most of your Bibles is probably word. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And uh, this is one of the things, especially if you've been familiar with the Bible for a long time, if you're a longtime student of the Gospels, maybe you know, maybe you don't, but uh, it's pretty important. And it's, it's, it's easy to miss how controversial and novel it is when you're reading it from where we're sitting. Yeah, it was it's interesting for a long time. It's so funny all the noise outside. <laughs> um, can y'all hear? Can y'all hear how many children are just cheering yeah, outside of our door? They're having a good time. It's a good thing. All right. Um, but uh, for a long time, even for me, so like scholarship pointed to the logos as like John being rooted in like Hellenistic Greek thought. But actually, now like newer scholarship coming into the fact uh, since the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? Of how it's actually 
a lot of Jewish roots. The book of wisdom and Syriac and all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just like some, so a lot of people claim it's like Hellenistic implantation into the gospels or Christianity and stuff, but it's actually, no, it's like super Jewish. I I definitely don't have a problem with that though. You know what I mean? Like when people will Mm. say, oh, you can't trust the Nicene creeds because they're just like these, uh, it's Greek colonization of Jewish (laughs) thought. Like that's just so silly, man. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, no water there. Yeah. That's right. Can't hold water. Um, well, yeah. So we're, so logos is going to be a really important word. Um, you know, the word made flesh. Uh, I mean, you can do, you can spend, I mean, there's literally the entire libraries of books just on the first chapter of John. Sure. Um, and it's beautiful. If you, it, like, if you're going to memorize one part of scripture, memorize John one. Hey, like, just, that's cool. That's just, a cool recommendation. Like, you know, if, you, if you're it, like a lot of Catholics, I feel like don't memorize the Bible verses too often. Um, but like, if you're like, you're going to, if you're going to memorize like one part of the Bible. Does the Catholic Church have sword drills? You know what I mean when I, I say sword drills. I don't even know what that they're, is. They're like, they're like Bible memorization competitions that teenagers no will do. Way. You know, like, <laughs> sword of the Spirit, get out your get out your swords. We're going to do a sword do, drill. Do they like ask for like random verses? They'll, like, they'll make like a random quotation from a part of the Bible, and whoever buzzes in first and can quote the thing it's verbatim It's like Jeopardy, wins the, but Bible. Right, right, See, right. See, if right. I tried that at youth group, it just wouldn't go well. Well, now, but you you train them. You that's know, you true. train them for, for years at a time, and then they, <laughs> they too can compete in these sword drills. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So, um, so yeah, so like we've been doing the past couple of weeks, um, you know, we'll talk about you know authorship and date, which is actually kind of interesting, John. Um, and then we'll kind of dive into the meat and potatoes, the structure of the book, and some interesting um, insights of the book as well. Um, so, authorship. This is like shouldn't be debated, but it is. Sure. Um, so. Most people throughout history, they attribute the beloved disciple to John. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and so, fun fact though, this is the only dis- the only gospel where the author doesn't stay anonymous. Where the author doesn't stay anonymous. Yeah, yeah. He, you he, mean in he, terms he, of the he, epilogue? Well, he mentions himself as the beloved disciple. Like, yeah, so, right. Yeah, he, yeah, he he refers to himself. Right. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it's, it's in modern the past 150 years or so, 200, 200 years. Anyway, where people are like, well, maybe it wasn't John. Maybe, maybe it was somebody else. And so the ones I've heard, I've heard John the Baptist as a pitched author to this book. Really? Yeah. It's a dumb one. Um, I've heard just another obscure disciple besides one of the 12. Um, what are some other ones? Have you heard the Lazarus theory? I've, I have. I yeah. forgot about it, but yes. Yeah. You know, I've heard that pitched in a really convincing way once upon a time. Yeah. I, well, I was just about sold on it. Well, because Jesus says in the Gospel of John that this is the one who Jesus loved. Like, yep. this is, um, which is actually super interesting. It's, it's pretty compelling. I, I, yeah. I don't, I, I don't think Lazarus was part of the inner circle. And I don't see why Lazarus would have been the one. Known to the high priest. Right. Known yeah. to the high priest, but also the one who would have run to the tomb with John, with uh, Peter. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, so that, and that's where that, that theory loses me, right? Yep. Because yep. in all the other gospels, inner circle, Peter, James, John, mm-hmm. like that's, mm-hmm. that's the crew. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, most people and basically every church father is like, yeah, it's John. Yep. The yep. disciple. <laughs> and uh, another, I mean, another reason for it is because when you go down the list of the disciples in John, uh, John's the only one that's not named. Right, so yeah, all the yeah, all yeah. the other eleven are named except for John, referring yeah. to himself as the beloved disciple. So, uh, yeah, that seems not. I mean, seems not too controversial. Yeah, but you'll meet some historical critical punks who are just like, "Wait a second. And I'm like, "You're dumb." Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but date is interesting in John. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's arguably a bit late. It's arguably 
like way late. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John is, and we'll talk about this throughout today's episode. John is, of course, so different in its perspective and its happenings from the other gospels. But it's not a synoptic. Yeah, it's it's it ain't one of the same. It's something kind of all itself. And it, it's been long thought that John is dependent upon the episodes that happen in the other gospels because yeah. he rearranges the the content. Well, he um, kind of fills in some holes, right? So yeah. the the idea is that. John had access to at least one of these gospels and then just t- chose to talk about things that weren't talked about. Yep. Essentially. Yep. Um, so what are, what are some of the dates you got so far as like later, earlier when you're, I, I, it's, I I've slept since then. I'm having a hard time, <laughs> <laughs> a hard time remembering, remembering my dates here. Uh, all of them tend to be towards the, uh, end to the very, very late first century. I so. got, I got as late as one fifty. Wow, I haven't I haven't yeah. seen anything la- that so late. it doesn't make sense, and it's a historical critical approach of it. It wasn't written by John, basically. And, oh, you know sure, sure, sure. So right. if you don't think it was written by John, then you can go as late as any time, I suppose. Right. No, I, f- I feel like eighties and nineties is what I keep yeah. seeing for I most s- of that stuff. There was a, a a partial manuscript of John found in Egypt that was carbon dated to one twenty. Um, wow. And so, which is interesting because it's at least that old. Yeah. Well, it also, we know it didn't originate in Egypt. Right. And so it had, it had to been circulating around the Mediterranean long enough to get there. Yeah. That's right? important. Um, yeah. so yeah, most of most of the stuff I, I was researching and looking on, yeah. Put John around 100 AD. Um, there's a potential argument to be made that it could have been written way earlier. Um, cause in the gospel of John, um, there's a line, literally just one line. So this evidence isn't super deep. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one line uh, talking about the, the pool of, I forgot the name again. Siloam. Thank you, the pool of Siloam. And the author says the pool of Siloam, which is in the temple, right? So it's in the present tense. So he, the author, arguably the author um, either doesn't know about, which seems unlikely, or the, the destruction of the temple hasn't happened yet. Yep. So that would put it in the 60s, yep. which is super early now. Uh, an argument with that it could have been redacted yeah i right? think i think i'd be most comfortable with redaction there yeah yeah this is a later editor coming along and saying like just in case you didn't know right here's where the pool was yeah right? yeah um so i think if i had to like stick my flag in the ground somewhere i would say 90 to 110 sure somewhere in there seems like a safe range let's I, go for it i don't think it really matters I mean, um, we, we want to give our folks the consensus here. Sure. The consensus I, well, most people, yeah, 100. Late, yeah, yeah, late, late uh, if not the end of the first century. Right, right, right. Um, and so I guess, you know, talking about the destination of the book, like who was it written for, um, basically all I've heard is that it was written for a Jewish Christian audience around the Mediterranean. No, no specific place in particular, like Mark was to Rome and Luke was to Diaspora or whatever. Right, um, right. There's not too much here that would, that would lend us to say it necessarily had to be in this part of the empire. Sure, like Matthew to Northern Palestine and stuff mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Destiny, I don't think it was, it, I think if I had to say John was written to fill the holes and to kind of advance some theological grounds um, where the other gospels fall short, essentially. Yeah, uh, this is a good way of thinking about it. Like, if you're reading John and you're just like, why is this so different from the other Gospels? One way to think about it is that John places theology first and history kind of second, where in the other Gospels it's reversed. Right, which makes sense for Greco-Roman biography, right? So Greco-Roman biographies, you have the authority as the author to not be chronological, Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's, that's not the point of the text, right? The point of the text is to expound upon the greatness of whoever you're writing about. Yep. Which is, John does that literally more than the rest um, that's in right. every single that's way. Right. Um, 
And so, so I guess we should talk about structure a little bit, huh? Yeah. So we just talked about the prologue uh, that's in chapter one, and then we go into the book of the signs, the miraculous signs that Jesus is doing in chapters two, verses ten. So these tend to follow a pattern where Jesus will do something miraculous out of the ordinary, supernatural, and then his followers kind of understand it, kind of, <laughs> and his enemies start to get really upset. He gets with angrier him. and angrier and angrier and angrier. That's right. And, and what's interesting about this part of the of the book is that this is. The, one of the first places you'll see that, um, so in the synoptics, Jesus flips tables at the end of his ministry, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And John's like, no, no, no. He starts off by flipping This was tables. happening at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. It should, uh, suppose somebody, this makes somebody question um, the historicity of the Gospels or that uh, that disparity there makes them wonder, well, what are the Gospels doing? Are they, can we actually trust them on a historical level? How, I wonder how we would respond to that. Mm. that so I've heard, I've heard actually a couple different approaches. One I heard was that Jesus flipped tables twice. Um, Ooh, that sounds yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is like, I don't think they would have let him do that twice. Yeah, the crucifixion <laughs> would have happened much earlier. Yeah, that's right, right. that's right. Um, so, but I, I go back to the whole Greco-Roman biography thing. It's because uh, John was trying to prove a point and show something about Jesus um, that uh, the other authors just didn't show as much. And, and I really think... I mean, really, almost in every single chapter, I would argue everyone, but I, don't, I think there's maybe one or two, maybe I'm wrong, but almost every single chapter of, of John, familial language is there. So John, John's main concern is you see the authority of Jesus as the son of God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and as son, from the beginning, he rules the temple, right? So I think that, I mean, that's what I would, I would go back to the Greco-Roman biography thing. Yeah, it's 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 not um, history the way we popularly construe history. John's aim here is to show Jesus in the book of signs and in the book of glory, and he's going to advance uh, a certain theological agenda here, which Christians have come to cherish. Yeah. Right? So yeah. So we have the book of signs. That's from uh, chapter one twenty to twelve fifty, and so chapter twelve fifty verse 50 is where the narrative ends like really so like the narrative ceases to move forward for many many chapters um after chapter 12 because we get to the book of glory yeah yeah that's right so you have all of jesus's miracles here and the one other thing that i forgot to mention about the pattern of jesus doing a sign his apostles kind of getting it uh, the authorities not getting it is that he's going to connect these all to his i am statements which yeah, i think you yeah. wanted to talk about a little bit Right. Yeah, yeah, so we can talk about that in a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so uh, there's really a hinge here. You can think of it between the Book of the Signs and the Book of Glory, and that's the raising of Lazarus. And this mm-hmm. is super cool. I actually, I, you know, I preached on Lazarus several times and not noticed this before. When, so. you, were, when you were schismatic. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Probably the reason why, to tell you the truth. But uh, yeah, so I preached on Lazarus that whole episode before. I never noticed this really cool detail. So uh, Jesus knows, in effect, that... Uh, his healing of Lazarus is going to lead to the temple authorities finally clamping down on him and right. finally coming to arrest him. And his uh, famous statement about greater love has no man than this, than that one lay down his life for his friend, is an explaining of the fact that he's going to raise Lazarus even at the cost of his own life, which is really oh, the, yeah. the hinge here in, yeah. in, in John. So uh, I just think that's so cool. That's one of those things that you might see on a Christian coffee mug sure, and not yeah. really understand like the extent to which Jesus means it. Like, this is not an abstraction. I'm literally going to go bring back Lazarus from the dead and then they're going to get me. And That's going to be the end. They, yeah, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the Book of Glory, it starts with the, uh, the foot washing, right? That's like the first kind of episode there. Um, and then we get into this really dense and beautiful, beautiful theology. So uh, you could argue that most Trinitarian theology like really is, is rooted and grounded in this, in this uh, Last Supper discourse, right? So um, really, 
chapters 13 through 16 into, into 17 um, is this last separate discourse. And then 17 being the high priestly prayer of, of Christ, right? So if you want a glimpse into how Jesus talks to the Father, read John 17. Yeah. Yeah. John 17 is in the truest sense an apocalypse. So yeah. not about uh, dragons and hellfire in the, in the end of the world necessarily, but appealing back of the curtain between heaven and earth in order to show you, here's how it happens behind the scenes, folks. Like Jesus is, uh, Jesus is praying ad orientum here, as it yeah. were. He's, yeah, that's right. Uh, praying yeah, to yeah, the yeah. Father and allowing the disciples to listen in, which, yeah. is, which is very cool. And in the climax of, of the entire gospel, but particularly Book of Glory, is obviously the, uh, the crucifixion of Jesus, right? And so in John's gospel, if you read it close, the crucifixion of Jesus is a victory. Like, the mood is high. Like, John's not... Like he's, he's not happy about it, but at the same time, he is happy about it, right? Like it's, it's, this is literally the, the best thing that's ever happened in human existence is mm-hmm. the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's, it's tremendous, tremendously sorrowful, obviously. Um, but at the same time, this is where victory is won. It's the seventh time that Jesus says, I am actually is, yeah. in, his, is in his trial there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, if you remember, if you remember uh, Moses in the burning bush, uh, Lord, who should I tell the Israelites that's sending me? And mm. and, and, and God says, I am. And this is of course the seventh time that Jesus says, I am. And that's what really pushes the authorities over the edge. Yeah. So um, yeah, let's, before we get into the epilogue, let's dive into the, the ego and me and the seven signs a little bit. Yeah, do it. Um, so yeah, the ego and me is a Greek phrase for, it just means I am, right? And so, yeah, like Ryan just said, in, in the burning bush, um, in in the Hebrew, it's the de- the tetragrammaton, right? It's a Yahweh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but in Greek, in the Septuagint, it's it's translated ego eimi. The Septuagint being the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. The one, Correct. the Bible, the, the Old Testament that Jesus and his gang read. Yeah, yeah. And so it's ego a me. So the ego a me was not a phrase a Jewish person would have would have said <laughs> lightly. You know, um, they, they, there was there was obviously some serious weight behind it. Um, and so in the Gospel of John, you have um, he technically says ego a me more than seven times, but there's seven times when he says it. Um, as in comparing himself to something. Yeah, right? he's like replacing these institutions here. So. Um, John 6 being the first one. Uh, yeah, so I am the temple, I have the living water, uh, I am the bread come down from heaven, yeah, I'm the light life. of the world, all of that stuff. I'm the door, I'm the good shepherd. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, I heard a theory one time basically saying how if you start from John 6 and go down, um, it's actually, um, he's taking the disciples deeper into the spiritual life, right? So starting with the bread of, I'm the bread of life, right? So you're starting with just coming into communion with, with Christ, right? And then you dive deeper into, um, I'm the light of the world. So once you're in communion, Christ starts to open your eyes to see truth and goodness and beauty. And this is obviously a spiritual interpretation, right? And then he says, I am the door. So now you're seeing truth. Now you enter into my heavenly father's house and into the first castle, if you will, of St. Teresa of Avila. Hey, yeah, um, right. And then I am the good shepherd. I will shepherd you through these castles, right? I'll shepherd you deeper into my father's house. Um, then I'm the resurrection and the life. And then that's when you truly start living for Christ, is right? Is this all in the interior castle? Is that where you're getting no, that from? No, this is actually from uh, uh, Mikhail Volstein, um, who is the guy that translated Man and Woman, He Created Them, and from Polish to English. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. So this is, this is actually his thought. Very um, cool. He, he guest lectured for me when I was a master, not for me, but I was in a class he was guest lecturing in. And then the last one, so, so t- next to, uh, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then the, finally, uh, I'm the true vine, right? Um, so these are the ones where he compares himself to something, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, the, then, but we have the ego and me statements of the two that get him really jacked up, you know, uh, before Abraham was. I am. I 
am. Yeah. Hard right. stop. Are you greater than our father Abraham? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, actually. Yeah, actually, yeah. Because <laughs> these, these I am statements don't get Jesus in trouble because the Jewish people knew that, okay, he's speaking analogously, mm-hmm. right? He's not an actual door. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. um, You know, he's not actual light, um, like in the literal sense. Um, but yeah, the two that get him jacked up is when he hard stops at ego, Amy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now yeah, when you read John, so, I mean, l- keep your eye out for these I am. St- and so in your, in your Bible, in the English Bible, it'll just say I am, right? Yep. It'll, that's all it'll say is, is, is I am. But if you have the Greek version, it'll say ego, Amy, obviously. So to keep your eye out for those, because that's, those are awesome moments, right? Those are powerful moments. So then we get into the seven signs of John, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is kind of the narrative flow of, of the book of signs, essentially. Everything's in sevens. Yeah. What's significant about seven, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen? Pop quiz. I wish we could like have a Q&A with the audience. Maybe we should do a live version of this one day. Uh, Why does John like the number seven so much? What do you think about the seven days of, of creation? Yeah, it's it's a number of completeness and fulfillment yeah. and all of that stuff. And so all of this, all of these sevens are happening in the context of Jesus' own ministry. Who is Jesus? Well, for John, he's the Logos and flesh. He's right. God's reason, um, you know, come down to, to tabernacle. Right. Tabernacle yeah, amongst yeah. us. Exactly. And so, and, and actually John tells us like literally the purpose of his gospel is to show you signs in order that you may believe. That you may believe. Right. Right. It's, it's, so what, when you like, when you ask the question of what is John about, what is, what's, what is John? It's a book he, of signs. He tells you. Yeah. <laughs> he tells it's literally, you exactly he's, he's telling about. you the signs of Christ in order. So you may believe like, that's it. Like it's not, it's an ambiguous. It's not, it's not just a simple historical record. It's no, he's writing this book. So you can believe that Jesus is the son of God. Right? Yeah. It, it, is, is it controversial to say maybe John's the most evangelistic of the gospels? Uh, no, I think that's, I mean, it's the church fathers would call it, um, what do they call it? The, the, the spiritual gospel for yeah. years, right? I mean, right. It's, it's literally the purpose of the book is, is to evangelize, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I mean, all the books are to a certain extent, um, but you almost get the sense of John knowing, okay, the synoptics told you the meat and potatoes. Now I'm trying to save you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. The historical, the, and not to say there's not like theological glosses in the synoptics, but in John, it's kicked into overdrive. Yeah, no, totally. And you get that uh, that verse that it, the purpose of John. So it's John twenty verses thirty and thirty one. Um, signs in order to believe. So the seven signs. I guess we should, which we can talk about that just before wrapping up here. Uh, so the first one, wedding feast of Cana. Yeah. Right. So that was my um, marriage uh, gospel reading. At our yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. There's so a couple of them you get to pick between, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. there's always three or four. Actually the, uh, the last supper discourse, a section of that is an option as well hmm. um, for the super theologically inclined. Um, sure. But uh, we, I like mom and Mary, so I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to have her thrown in there. Are we doing, are we doing Johannine distinctives here? I have, I have a little, I have a little, oh, I thought so, that's what you were doing. No, okay, I mean, sure. Oh, okay. Go for Sorry, it. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to talk about the signs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, you, you got the signs. Um, we talked about the temple cleansing happening yep, at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's not a sign, that's just an event. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. We talked about the purpose why John is written. He, right. he tells us uh, the number seven, seven, uh, um, the I am analogies, seven signs. There are no exorcisms in John. Whoa, I actually didn't know that. Zero exorcisms in the book of John. And it's popularly thought that uh, the cross itself is a kind of exorcism, a banishing of, of evil over the That's world. So John doesn't record any of those at all. I actually didn't know that. 
because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so so heavy in the other. Maybe since it's so heavy in the other gospels. Yeah. Right. You just kind of assume that it's in there. Yeah. Because yeah. all the other gospels, that's like the that's what pushes the narrative forward half the time is an exorcism. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the the water into wine. It's a unique Johannine miracle. There. None yeah, the of the wo- other. The, the woman at the well. The woman at the well, which yeah. is a, which is a potentially why this this book was might have been written for the Samaritan converts, right? Because um, the Samaritans are like seen in super good light um, throughout the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so then, so any other ones you want to point out before we go? Uh, John contains no stories at all of Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. Which, if you listen to our oh, Luke episode, that's the, all. That's the that's banqueting that's is happening every other every other right. sentence, and he's eating with this person, he's eating with that person. And then, in the and the exorcisms are pretty heavy in Luke as well. Right. So I wonder if Luke was the gospel he had access to, like while he was writing. He's like, dude, Luke hit the nail on the head with this yeah, one. Yeah, we don't have to. We don't have to talk about that one anymore. Um, and John, the teaching to love is about loving ones fellow disciple too sure. you know the, the that's how the the rest of the world will know that you're christians if you abide in my love and that yeah. sort of thing and it's that's one of the things i think i think you're doing yourself a disservice to reading the gospel of john if you also aren't reading first second john as well with it because theologically one expounds upon the other yeah. right third yeah. john's debatable if john actually wrote it obviously but um anyway that's mm-hmm. a side mm-hmm. issue there. Uh, let's see. What else is just distinctively Johannine here that we want to... We talked a little bit about the appendix or the uh, the epilogue. Yeah. Uh, the kingdom of God as the content of the gospel is really not present in John at no, all. It's, That's, it's, it's more... The, the, gospel, the gospel is familial in John. Like yep. That is the gospel in John. Is, is your, Jesus is the son. He's inviting you to participate. Especially if you read, if you read the, the Last Supper discourse, Prayer to the Father... It's literally all about inviting you into participation with the Son to worship of the Father, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then, I guess we should. The last thing we do, go through those seven signs real quick. Huh? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I got us off track. No, there no, it's the, all good. I like the distinctive bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's good. Um, so yeah, so we have the wedding feast of Cana, turning water into wine, right? Then we have the healing of the official son. So that's chapter four, and then we have another healing of the sick man, and five, and then the feeding of the five thousand, which is the only feeding in in John. Right. Um, yep. And so, and that's right. Followed by the, I am the bread of life. Uh, oh man, gosh, I don't, I wish we had more time. Um, are we, are we good Catholics if we don't spend the whole time talking about John <laughs> yeah, six? Right. And so, <laughs> and so I, I want to say this about my, 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 my brothers and sisters out there who always point to John six when it comes to trying to talk Eucharistic apologetics with our non-Catholic brothers and sisters. Um, they are not reading it the same way. And even if you pull the whole, like, well, in Greek, it switches the word and it yep, goes from, yep, that's yep. all. But I, I would argue that the most of John 6 until verse 40 or 41, he is talking about faith. I, I think that's a solid argument. Now, I, do, do I think he switches and talks about the true presence? Yes, I think he, I think he does. Yep. But, but when, when a Protestant reads John 6, it's not illogical for them not to think of Eucharist, yep. right? Um, it's, and so... I know that might be disheartening to some who are like, no, that's our proof text. It's the ultimate um, proof text. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, and, it, and it is to a certain degree, but it's not, it's not illogical because I think, I think Jesus is talking about faith for a good, good chunk of it, right? I mean, um, I would argue it at least. At, at least, uh, I, I, think that, I think that's true. I think everything you're said, you've said is true. I think the clincher, though, for Protestants that they often don't deal with is what Jesus will let people do who, who don't follow him in this way. Sure. So yeah, by yeah, the end, yeah. he's content to let you know, hundreds upon hundreds of disciples leave sure, because right. they're not willing to yep. 
how can he give us his flesh? You yeah. know, how can he give us his blood? We're out of here. And Jesus, like, wouldn't it have been easy for him to say, hey, guys, just making a metaphor right. yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so interesting. So <laughs> just a symbol. We have to remember that the, the, the chapters and verses were added, I mean, a couple hundred years after the gospel was written. But it is interesting, the monk that, I forget his name, the monk that added everything, the only place in the entire New Testament that has a chapter 6, verse 66, is the line in John 6 when it says, and many of disciples left and returned to their former way of life. Hmm. So it's 666, right? So you can, you can see some editorial <laughs> discretion there um, with, with the guy who That's added funny. Uh, chapters That's and funny. verses. So anyway, um, the last three uh, signs, uh, healing of the blind man, yes. right? And then we have the raising of Lazarus, right? Yep. Which is kind of getting to the climax here. And then surprisingly enough, the last sign is actually the resurrection. Like that's, that's the ultimate sign of mm-hmm. Jesus's divinity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just a, I mean, a super brief overview. Um, we, so we have the ego and me statements. We have the seven signs. We have the purpose of the gospel. I mean, I, John is so dense. Eusebius, the uh, early church historian, calls John the spiritual gospel. Here, yeah. I have a fun little quote here. Yeah, go for it. And, and the words of the fa- actually, this is from Clement of Alexandria. Oh, so, Clement. La- last of all, John, perceiving that the bodily facts, tasomatica, had been made plain in the gospel, being urged by his friends and inspired by the Spirit, composed a spiritual gospel. Uh, and this, okay, yeah, this is Eusebius telling us about what Clement of Alexandria it's said a quote about of a it. quote of a quote. Yep, yeah, I forgot who, <laughs> who it was from here in a second. Yeah. But um, John is written, as he tells us, that you may believe. The synoptics right. have told you all about the kingdom. They've talked to, talked to you all about Jesus' social ministry. And his life events and Luke and stuff like John, that. John and, is very apocalyptic. He wants you to know, like, who is Jesus as a person? Not right. so much, maybe this, like, don't read too much in, into this, but not <laughs> so much about what he did right. versus, like, the kind of person he was and the kind yeah. of discourses that he's I, engaging. I, I think here. John is, is the most true to what a true Greco-Roman biography is. Like the other ones are, other gospels are, but John really, he is a trying to see, get you to see who Jesus really, really is without mincing any words. Okay. I know we're wrapping up here, but we have to, do we have time to talk about the Jews and the controversy over the Jews? You can do it in one 30, minute. In one minute. One All right, minute. let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so you'll often have people accuse the gospel of John of anti-Semitism in a couple of places because sure. John will refer to the Jews as the people who have problems with Jesus. Right. Uh, I mean, this is really dispelled and about a minute here, which is about how long yeah, I have. Yeah, that's right. But all you really need to say is that, um, these are particular Jews to which right. John is referring, like not the people as a whole, not the religion as a whole, but these specific ones who were um, plotting to kill Jesus after right. they saw the signs. Like yep. these are the kind of Jews that John's talking about. Of course, it'd be easy to abstract that and to make some sort of claim there that John's not making, but um, no anti-Semitism here. Very no. important. Yeah. Yeah, John was a Jew. Fun fact. Yeah, um, <laughs> perhaps you forgot. Yeah, but uh, the whole New Testament is written by Jews. That's right. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, so, uh, any commentaries you want to throw out there? Oh yeah, I uh, don't read Leon Morris's commentary. It's, <laughs> don't read that one. It's junk. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Le- oh, you're you're gonna laugh. Uh, Raymond Brown, ah, I think is come on. I think is it's a classic. <laughs> Even if he's not your favorite, he's a classic. Um, and Aqu- um, Aquinas has a pretty bomb commentary. On well, John. who can compete with Aquinas? Yeah, 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 if you can get a hold of the Catena Aria for free online, which is fairly easy to do, yeah, um, go go and read that. Uh, there was another one. Oh yeah, uh, not a Catholic commentary, but a great like social historical commentary is uh, Craig Keener's. Oh his, sure, his yeah. is in two Keener's volumes, good. and they're like, uh, it's kind of I don't know. Now. Is it is it pretty expensive? Well, it could be. It's, um, yeah. I have it's the, just thick. Yeah, it's um, it's a hefty one, yeah. but. Uh, 
you can't go wrong with yeah. with Craig Keener for sure. No, he's great. Interestingly, fun fact about him, he actually was converted to Christianity through historical critical studies alone. He's which the only, is he's the only one. The only person in yeah. human history to have that <laughs> happen. But he basically came to the conclusion like the gospels are true and reliable at a historical level and I must become a Christian. It's really wow. a great story. That is interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I think uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, as always, give us a review on Spotify or whatever thing you're listening on. It helps people find us better. And uh, if you have any questions, just holler. I'm Chase Cross, Ryan Pollock. We'll see you all next time. Adios, y'all. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in with us on Catholics with Bibles today. We did the Gospel of John today. And if you know the scriptures, you know what's coming next, the Acts of the Apostles. Tune in next week or next week's Thanksgiving. So I'm not sure when our next episode will drop. Yeah, we won't be here. (laughs) We won't won't be here. Next time you tune in, you'll listen to the Acts of the Apostles whenever that is. All right, we'll see you all next time.